Mark and Dan. Mark and Dan. Podcast. Mark and Dan. Welcome back to another episode of Mark and Dan Meets World. I'm Dan Brown. And I'm Mark A.O. Mackay. A.O.? Yeah. Ah, You mean you're not Billy Joel? Uh, I get that mistaken all the time. (laughs) Well, you guys have not made a mistake. You guys are in the right place for another new episode of Mark and Dan Meets World. Today, we are going over Season 2, Episode 6, Who's Afraid of Corey Wolf? This is our big half a ween episode, everybody. So happy half a ween. Happy half a ween to you guys. I I don't have the calendar pulled up in front of me, but I believe that this episode actually ends in May. Uh, I'm sorry. I believe this episode actually comes out in May. Yeah. Well, close enough. That's about halfway to Halloween. It's always Halloween in my heart. And I appreciate that you came out dressed up as Batman. And I hope you really like my Robin costume because we're, you know, kind of the dynamic duo of podcasting right now. We are. I do appreciate your Robin costume. Even more, I appreciate those green Speedo tights like the old Burt Ward costume you got there, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. Showing off my sexy legs. <laughs> Speaking of sexy, this thing got a score of 7.4 out of 10 with 185 votes on IMDb. It aired October 28th, 1994. Mark, I'm just going to say, this. I, I I, don't remember Boy Meets World doing this before or after, at least with Corey. Mm-hmm. Did you have? Did you ever see Corey narrate another episode? Like, he didn't narrate the full episode, but he, you didn't I, have his inner thoughts. I don't think so, um, which I would have liked to had for, like, other episodes, maybe, like, Christmas episode or even, like, future Halloween episodes, but... Even though we didn't get it, I did appreciate it that this is the only voiceover one. So it kind of made this episode a little bit more special. Only voiceover for Corey. There was the one with Eric uh, in later seasons where mm-hmm. uh, they go back or Topanga goes through the, the wormhole in the closet and then yeah. Eric's 40s character does it. But yeah, this is the only one for Corey here, uh, at least that both of us can remember right now and pretty sure that it is. Yeah. I loved how the episode started off because Corey kind of breaks down the fourth wall there by saying, mm-hmm. you know, it's this is going to happen at nine o'clock, eight central. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, when I was a kid, I actually said that all the time for some reason, because I watch TV all the time where I would just go like, you know, hey, well, hey, Arnold, seven o'clock, six central. I would always say that. Yeah. So my my mom and dad were like, all right, we're going to leave at. um we're going to go to the, the, the movies at seven o'clock. So then she, my mom would go, Mark, what time is the movie playing? I'm like seven o'clock, six central. Six central. <laughs> and I would always do that. Cause I thought like, that's how you had to say what the time was. And meanwhile, like I had no idea what that meant. Mm-hmm. So I would just say it just cause TV taught me how to say it. Yeah. Cause during that time they, they really stress like, okay, this episode is coming out on Thursday at 3 PM two central. Yeah. And they did that for every single show. Um, <laughs> so I love how Corey's writing the note and you know it's it's obviously him narrating what he's he's writing down and yeah. mom comes in and she's looking for her duster and it's actually the quill like the pen quill that he's using is his mom's. Yes. 
What a great joke. What an yes. absolutely great joke. And then the best part, and I love this because it tied in from the last episode. Sean comes into Corey's room, dressed like Corey to go to the party. And he goes, guess what I am? Hey, Sean, I wish I was as cool as you. Which the last episode that we reviewed was the uninvited. Yeah. Where Corey literally is stressing out about how cool he is. And he tells Sean how cool he is and how dorky he, Corey is. I, I loved how they actually tied that two episodes next to each other. Yes. I, yeah, I really dug that too. Um, so <laughs> it was pretty funny seeing Sean dressed up as Corey kind of do like a little playful rib, kind of like how in the office, it wasn't a Halloween episode, but where Jim showed up dressed as Dwight yeah. and he just ribbed him. Yeah. I, have you ever had a time where you dressed up as a friend for like a party or like any scenario or anything? There was a time where it was actually my um, Tracy's nephew's birthday party. I'm call I call him my nephew too. Um, it was like his first birthday party, and we got her dad a Mickey Mouse shirt um, because it was Mickey Mouse theme. Mm-hmm. And what I didn't tell him is that I bought myself the exact same shirt. <laughs> so we we both show up at the party. I'm just like, hey, look, we're twins. Uh, <laughs> what about you? So uh, we when I was like 19, 20, 21, like those like three years, we had like parties at my brother's house, at my friend John's house, like just about every week. And my buddy Chris, who I mentioned earlier in these episodes, he wasn't allowed to come to a party because his girlfriend wouldn't let him. So what I did was I thought it'd be funny to dress up as Chris. And if you ever, anybody who knows Chris, he has like these baggy trip pants and then like a CKY shirt. And then he has this really frizzy multicolored hair. And he, like he, all right. So you remember the episode uh, plays with, where Eric is plays with squirrels? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks like that. But if he was going to a rave. That's essentially what Chris looks like. So, meanwhile, I show up to the, to the party dressed up as Chris, and then I start doing the "I'm Chris" and just walk, just say like this over the top persona of Chris, and I'm just doing the whole thing. And then, uh, probably about like halfway through the party, everybody's like, "Oh man, we're." We're out of beer. Can can somebody go, go do a beer run? And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm not drinking. I'll, I'll go to the store and grab you guys a case. So I went to the liquor store that was like down the street. And then I totally forgot. I still had this big, dumb, frizzy wig on. <laughs> and, and then like all this like ridiculous shit that Chris wears. Oh, that's great. <laughs> well, I got to ask you, did Chris ever get bitten by a wolf? He d- he did not. No. Well, neither did Corey, but we're we're going to get ahead of ourselves by saying that the next scene in the show, Corey's recapping what what happened to him and and what mm-hmm. has led up to the event where Sean meets him in his room. And Corey's taking out the garbage. Feeney's out there. He tells him, "Hey, a wolf escaped from the zoo. I'm taking my garbage inside because you know I want I don't want the wolf in my yard." Uh, Feeney also tells the great thing. He's like, oh yeah, the wolf escaped from the inner city. It look, I guess he's looking for better schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and this is our first hint that Corey and all, everybody lives in the suburbs of Philadelphia. Yes. Cause yes, they never really yeah, right. They just always say Philadelphia. So it was like a quick throwaway line. He was just like, even out here in the burbs. Yeah. Yeah. You, you are right about that. So, 
when we have been trying to figure out where exactly Corey does live, uh, mm-hmm. this does give you a little bit better of an idea. Um, so he sees some rustling in the bushes and he, he wonders if it's Eric and then he wonders if it's Eric and a girl. <laughs> and then he, I don't know what he thought he saw, but he went, you're not Eric. And then he got bit. Yeah. So You I, distinctly know if it's a dog or a wolf or something in the canine family. You would distinctly know. And that bush is really small. Like, why did he think that, like, Eric and a girl are just, like, tucked away in this <laughs> dirty-ass, paint-covered uh, bush? Yeah, like, they wouldn't go up to the to the treehouse or something. Yeah, uh, or, or at least uh, Amy and Alan's bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, the next flashback that you see, um, Corey comes out stressed out that he's covered in hair. Uh, but Eric doesn't see any hair on him, so he makes him like <laughs> lean in to look. He goes, "Oh yeah, look, you got some facial hair." He's like, "You finally hit puberty." Yeah. And then that's where Corey goes. You know, no, I have hair in my chin, my armpits, and other places. I don't see where it's useful to have hair. Which just bravo, <laughs> bravo yeah. Disney. Once again, you found a way to do a family-friendly dick joke. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> good, good on you. Way um, to clean up the pubes, Disney. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Eric teases Corey into believing he's a werewolf. So Corey tries to run out of the house and, you know, so this is the thing. So Corey thinks he's turning into a werewolf before Eric even puts that thought into his head. Yeah. He then goes running out of the house after Eric teases him and he's scared and mom and dad stop him. And he's trying to tell him the math problem. He's like, if a werewolf leaves on a train at this time and this time, is there such a thing as werewolves? And I love the comedy in this where dad tells him he needs to know the difference between myth and reality. And he's shaking pop cans. Yeah, because there's that rumor that some jewel thief took a bunch of jewels, broke into the pot factory, and then just left his jewels in ten random cans. Yeah, like <laughs> are, so. If you're a robber, like why didn't you just like put them in your pocket, eat them, do something with them? Like why would he just drop them in random cans? Well, that's the other thing. It's like especially because of Halloween. You know, I don't know yeah. if your mom ever did this, but like. Did your mom and dad ever check your candy when you came back from trick-or-treating to make sure, like, nobody drugged your candy? They checked my candy, but they never checked to see if it was, like, drugged or, like, razor blades in it. I remember so many times, I'm just, like, on Halloween, I'm like, oh, yes, I'm going to eat the Reese's, I'm going to eat the the Butterfingers, and then, like, save the rest for later, sneak some to school the next day, and then just coming in there, and you're like, what the hell, I had five Reese's. My mom and dad surely wouldn't fucking eat them. Must yeah. be my brother. And then it would start a fight, even though my mom and dad knew all along that they're eating my candy, starting yeah. a fight between my brother and I. <laughs> but to say, I can't wait for Roman to start going trick-or-treating, and I could be like, dad tax, motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting the candy that I never got when I was a kid. But, like, I remember... Uh... <laughs> I remember like my mom always making us check the candy and then like her, my dad checking the candy, um, uh-huh. you know, to make sure like nobody's trying to put their drugs in it. And yeah. I, as an adult, I'm like, well, first off, you think people are just giving away their drugs for free. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, and the other thing is you think honest to God, even if it's Halloween, that if I go knocking on a drug dealer's door, they're going to answer the door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so a, a quick story. My dad, he, gives out candy every year on Halloween. And what he'll do is he'll put on like uh some classic rock like on like a little radio or something. Like this year he's used his tablet. 
And what he would do for COVID, he'd had like this kind of like slide gimmick where he would just put yeah, candy yeah, down. Yeah, I've seen those. Yeah, a lot of people were doing that uh, in 2020. So that's what he was doing. He was just kind of like handing candy out. And But uh, years before, what he would do is as he would sit there between kids, he would eat the candy. And then he would just put the wrappers to the side. And then like whatever a kid would show up as, you know, oh, here comes uh, Spider-Man. Here comes Superman. Here comes the Ninja Turtles. He'll give them like candy. But then when there's just like some kid that doesn't even wear a costume, he'll just give them the wrappers. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. And it's funnier because my dad has such a dry sense of humor. And then like this is just some wacky bullshit boomer joke that that my dad is doing. (laughs) That's awesome, man. <laughs> you better watch out. You better not cry. There's a terrorist attack. It can only be saved by one guy and a St. Bernard. Dan Brown and Heyman save Christmas. That's right. Dan Brown, my co-host of Mark and Dan Meets World, has his full comic book series out and available right now. A real Scrooge of a terrorist blows up Santa's toy shop, putting Christmas in jeopardy. It's on a recently fired comedian and his trusty four-legged best friend to make sure Christmas is safe for all the boys and girls across the world. Dan Brown and Heyman, save Christmas. You can go to danbrowncomedy.com for more information. That's danbrowncomedy.com. So apparently at John Adams High, they allow the kids to leave campus to go get lunch. Yeah. Which is something they never let us do in high school. Let alone oh, yeah. when you're technically a seventh grader. Yeah. In Philly. Yeah. Well, a suburb of Philly. Oh, yeah, uh, of course. <laughs> so he winds up at Frank's Ice Cream Shop, who's played by uh, Frank is played by Don Calf, which it's like, all right. You found like the creepiest man to own an ice cream shop, which I understand yeah. why it's important for this episode. But theoretically, if this is a real thing. Why would somebody that creepy own an ice cream shop? Yeah. You know, you know I, what I mean? Like, you can't be like that 365 days a year and yeah. own a business where you're like, hey, kids, come over here and eat my food. Yeah. And he has like this crypt keeper, like blank stare. Like he has these huge bags under his eyes. He's goes, And he has like that Transylvanian accent. He goes, what do you want? You want some of your yogurt? Yeah. Yeah. And. And, and that actually the, leads us to this week's sponsor of the week. This Halloween, shriek and freak your way down and get into the spirit at Frank's House of Yogurt and some occult. Drool over our devilish selection of flavors. Blood, guts, ooze, wolfsbane. Vampire garlic and our most devilish, evilest flavor of them all, coconut. While getting your yogurt, get your palms red by our very own fortune teller, Frank's House of Yogurt and Summercult. We just want to have you for dessert. Bon appetit, little creepers. <laughs> You gotta stay away from that coconut, man. Yeah, that's that's the evilest flavor they have. Really, you should stay away from Frank's ice cream and yogurt shop <laughs> in the first because 
he's playing the news radio again. It's a yogurt shop. They should have like soft rock going to like yeah. get kids in the mood to like want to eat ice cream. Instead, he has news radio on talking about the werewolf and the kids, and then he he freaks Corey out. So he's taking advantage of scared children to give them money to go see a fortune teller. Yeah, and he, <laughs> the creepiest part about Frank is that he lures eleven year old kid or twelve year old kid. My bad. To the back of the store. Yeah. <laughs> but while he does that, we get to meet the madame, the fortune teller, played by Phyllis Diller. Yes, dude. Finally, Phyllis Diller. Dude, I No love applause Phyllis break. Diller. Yeah. What the hell? She <laughs> deserves a fucking applause break. Phyllis she's Diller a legend. is. She was a yeah. legend. She was, she's amazing. Yeah. Like um, she's an amazing comedian. And then like all these like little roles that she popped up in. She's mm-hmm. always like great. Like every like even voiceover stuff that she's done. She was always amazing. So like very underrated in this episode. So she absolutely deserves uh, an applause break. Oh, she killed it during this episode because she yeah. plays the goofy psychic that was only concerned about payment. You yes. Know? So Frank comes by and she, did he pay? And he come over here, werewolf boy. Yeah. And she she tells him a couple things about himself. And then she goes, Oh, I know you've been recently divorced. And he goes, What? And he, obviously it's Corey. He's a child. Yeah. She, You're not Billy Joel. So that puts it <laughs> that puts it in the audience's mind right then and there that okay, everything this woman says is just gonna be absolute nonsense and bullshit. Yeah. But it's funny to watch Corey believe her. Because she said there's going to be three signs. He's going to get a taste for new things. The pentagram will appear in his hand. And um, he's going to kill a girl who cares about him. And Corey realizes, well, there's no girl that cares about me. And then he realizes he's he's 30 minutes late to class. And she goes, and your underwear is running up here, Tuchus. And (laughs) he stops. She goes, how did she know? And and she well, how do I do it? Um, (laughs) Do I love when he gets to Turner's class? He's late. He gets detention. He's trying to tell Sean what happened. And Sean can't hear him. So he starts to write it out in a note. Yeah. And then Turner catches him and he eats the note. Did you ever like do any of that in class? Like, did you ever eat notes or like eat paper to try to avoid any evidence? Well, what I always did was I always had like my actual notes and then I had whatever note I was going to pass underneath it. So if the mm-hmm. teacher came by, I can just slide it and do the switch. Like, Oh no, it's, we're talking about fucking Robert E. Lee. Yeah. Yeah. You're sliding that fake note shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I love that. Like I, I will say like I had to eat a uh, progress report a time or two, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which, you know, always ended up like, why because my parents could just call the school and be like we didn't get the progress report oh well i'll just tell you what your kid's grade is <laughs> like <laughs> as we can do literally anytime you call up yeah meanwhile they're like why is dan shit have like orange and it has words in it yeah <laughs> <laughs> he wiped his ass on toilet paper and it said grade f yeah <laughs> well, what was funny about this was that he eats it and he hears phyllis diller's voice in his head it yeah. says that he's going to have a taste for new things. So when the bell rings, you know, Turner holds him back and he goes, you know, he goes, Mr. Turner, you, you wouldn't understand. He goes, yeah, how would I understand what a what a teenager like yourself's going through? Yeah. And somehow Corey picks up Turner's keys. Mm-hmm. And Turner asks for the keys back and he looks down and the sign. Turner went to the Pentagon. Yeah. 
pre 9-11 when they were just letting people go in the Pentagon for tours. Yeah. You know, he and he got the keychain and, and Corey's looking at it and he hears um Phil Stiller, the sign of the pentagram will appear in your hands. And attention, Mark and Dan meets world listeners. The suburbs of Cleveland, Ohio are about to meet their match when three best friends have come across hardships on trying to make their dream movie. Follow Craig, Jamie, and motherfucker Dave as they beg, borrow, and steal their way to achieve legendary status. Only a Mark McKay's indie comedy hit, Suburban Legends, Life on the Rainbow Road. Starring Sean Manos, Mary Lee Osborne, Matthew Phillips, Josh Miller, Haley Madison, and a special appearance by Lloyd Kaufman. I have one question for you. Are you ready to be a Suburban Legend? Available now on storeenvy.com slash Mark McKay's Gimmick Table. That's storeenvy, S-T-O-R-E-N-V-Y.com slash M-A-R-K-M-A-C-K-A-Y-E-S Gimmick Table. I love this next part where he goes, the Pentagon or Pentagram? Same difference. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Which if you go to like death metal concerts, they have giant pentagons yes and the pentagram <laughs> <laughs> well Corey freaks out he runs out of class he runs into topanga and she's you know she's showing that she literally says it's not like i don't care about you and uh-huh. then Corey realizes you know once again he hears phil stiller's voice and he realizes that he has to kill topanga yeah. uh, <laughs> so so i think boy meets real had some kind of time machine they they heard about us killing off all of the people that they don't bring back yeah, <laughs> so they tried to do some kind of mock like kill off here, and then Feeny, uh, I'm sorry, Corey starts to run away. Then at that point, and Feeny tells him, "No running, Mister Matthews. We're not animals." Uh, Ow! <laughs> Ow! He takes off. Just goddamn! I I love the way they used Feeny in this episode. They didn't yeah. use him much, but when he used them, they used them well. Yeah, they definitely gave him like the best line because he was. He was only in it like three parts, like yeah. the beginning, middle and end. And then like he just kind of like set up the setting and then he wrapped up everything at the end. And then this one was just kind of like a throwaway line. But like every like he was probably like in the whole episode total, of, like 30 seconds, probably. Probably. And if, it, maybe 90 seconds. Yeah. I mean, like pretty low, but yeah. like every second he was on screen, he definitely gave like a great performance funny lines and set up everything like dude he's the man yeah the the next major thing because the next thing you know that Corey and sean's back in the room he tells sean he has to kill the panga and he goes no no one knows about this and then eric brings in a dog bowl and he goes it's family and then he leads down and then just starts eating out of it <laughs> school he goes back to the psychic and he runs in and tell her that everything that uh, she said what happened would and Phil is still no kidding can I use you as a reference <laughs> and, and <laughs> I just love it and, and she's trying to he, he's asking for advice and she goes I don't know oh wait I do so you can tell like she's just making stuff up then yeah the only way to stop the curse is to be shot through the heart with a silver bullet by the one who loves you um because he's not going to kill her until the the moon is full, which happens at nine o'clock tonight. Eight uh, central. Eight central. <laughs> I would have loved it if she would have said that right there. <laughs> then you see them; they're back at home, and Corey apparently gave them the request, 
like all the materials that he needs. He needs guns yeah. and silver bullets, and and they're like they're coming in with like CVS bags. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and mom's line of "Oh no, the lady in front of me took the last gun." Uh, yeah. just, <laughs> Which that, I, I, like okay. that put me up like setting it up. Like they're just going to the store and they just have guns, like in like action figure boxes, yeah. where it's just set up like that. Yeah, I thought that was great. Um, yeah. And if this was happening to, to me, I could see my mom coming home with like a Nerf gun. Like, yeah, this is what he wanted, right? <laughs> but they, they do wrap up the episode here pretty good. So Corey's, he's finishing writing the note. Topanga shows up. Sean leaves. Mm-hmm. Just the show that Sean doesn't believe Corey in any of this either. Yeah. Right? After he just ransacked his room too. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Corey gives her the note. Because he says he doesn't know if he can control his needs or desires, um, but he he's he really likes her costume. So mm-hmm. you do see that Corey is clearly attracted to Topanga here. Yeah. And, and nine o'clock hits, nothing happens. Uh, um, Topanga sees Corey. He's not a werewolf. And then Corey lays a big old kiss on Topanga's lips. Yeah. And this is actually the first kiss between the two since uh, alternative friends. Yes, it is. And this is actually the first kiss that Corey actually gave because he was just kind of the participant of it. Uh-huh. So this is the first one he gave. Yeah. Um, and because uh, Corey said he's uh, he's an animal and she said, no, you're or, or he was excited. He's like, I'm not a wolf. And he kisses Topanga and she goes, oh, yes, you are. And he does the ahoo. So a lot of ahoos in this episode. Yeah, we got a uh, lot of ahoos. And how come the audience didn't participate in it? <laughs> that would have been a fun, fun thing to do. <laughs> like a Ric Flair thing. Oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> um, you know, so it's probably a good thing they get they didn't get the audience to start doing that because in wrestling, uh, back in two thousand one, Stone Cold Steve Austin did what for a couple months, and fans are still chanting that to this day. Yeah, and it's annoying as hell. Yes, it is. <laughs> All wrestling fans out there, go to a wrestling show. Do not say what. Just let the wrestler talk. Yell shit at him, but don't say what. <laughs> it's annoying. Um. But yeah, so uh, I, I thought this episode was great. So the Disney Plus description actually isn't that scary because it's a pretty good description. It says, Corey goes through teenage changes thinking something is evil is happening. So that's a pretty good description of the episode. And um, we didn't talk about it earlier, but um, have you ever seen the movie The Wolfman? I have not. Lon Chaney? Nope. Okay, so this episode was more of like a parody of the wolfman and what's cool about it is like they definitely referenced like put a lot of references to it so this is a really good allegory for puberty so like Corey's body is changing he's finding hair in funny places he's you know getting an appetite which is all stuff that you go through during puberty that puberty so it's a i thought it was like a brilliant way to not only tie movie references, like an entire movie parody into why a body is changing, but it is also uh, a pretty good Halloween episode. You got like the spookiness, you got great jokes. It's real funny. And then you said IMDB gave it a 7.7? 7.4. Dude, I think this is a perfect 10. Perfect 10. Yes, I, this is a perfect episode because not only does it hit on all fires of what a Halloween episode is, but it gives you a good message, um, which we'll get to in a second. And it like gets good jokes. 
and and they're also parroting a movie, a classic movie, and they did it pretty well. So the Mr. Feeney lesson of the week, which I found is when you're going through puberty and you get by a wild animal, you're not turning into a werewolf. Your body is just changing. <laughs> I like that, man. I yeah. like that. Good. <laughs> Mr. Feeney lesson of the week. So you give it a 10, huh? I give it a perfect 10. This is I'm bumping it up to 7.5. 7.4 is not enough for me, but I'll, I'll give it a 7.5. Okay, that's fair. And we're glad that you guys gave us a chance once again. We really appreciate you guys listening to us week in and week out. If you guys haven't done so so far, if you guys haven't done this so far, please make sure you're going on Spotify and you're clicking that subscribe button and you're following us up on Anchor and you're checking out Google Podcasts and Pocket Casts and all the other places that you're listening to. And if you haven't done so already as well, please follow us on Instagram at Mark and Dan Meets World and like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Mark and Dan Meets World. But that's all for this episode right now. Next week, we're doing a very special episode. We're going to be taking a look at Girl Meets World's first Halloween episode. That's right. We're looking at Girl Meets World of Terror, Season 1, Episode 11. I'm looking forward to it. Mark's looking forward to it. But that's next week. And for this week, we bid you farewell. For Mark, I'm Dan. Have a good night, everybody. Do good. Mark and Dan. Mark and Dan. Podcast. Mark and Dan.